375B on the adult side. Incredible. One of the worst performances of my career, and they never doubted it for a second. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. I do have a test today. That wasn't bull****. It's on European socialism. I mean, really, what's the point? I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. So who gives a crap if they're socialists? They can be fascist anarchists. It still wouldn't change the fact that I don't own a car. It's not that I condone fascism. Or any ism, for that matter. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. A person should not believe in an ism. He should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon, I don't believe in Beatles, I just believe in me. A good point there. After all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I'd still have to bum rides off of people. Welcome to the second half of our big epic-ism podcast. It became clear while I was reading all of the, the messages from people and the voicemails from people and reading more about Herland and utopian literature that Herland is classified as feminist utopian literature. And I have rather purposefully not been using that word feminist this whole time. And I've been feeling more than a little weird about not using that term. So then I started thinking, well, why? <laughs> why is this a problem? And I I actually think I got I got an email from someone or a Facebook message. It's somewhere in the stack of papers that you you all have sent me. I can't find it right now. About a speech that Joss Whedon gave at an equality conference. And it is such a good and important speech that I'm actually going to play its entirety here. It is for free and available on YouTube. I'm going to link out to it. Joss Whedon, in case you don't know, is the director of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. So, young woman who can kick vampire butt. And also the director of things like The Avengers and the black and white version of Much Ado About Nothing and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. He's clearly kind of an eclectic guy. And I think if you aren't someone who is already in love with him for all of the fabulous things that he's done, you may find yourself to be very much in love with him after you listen to this. So here is Joss Whedon in his equality speech. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Um, I hate feminists. Is this a good time to bring that up? Is this, is this the right forum for that? I, I hope I'm being clear. I didn't say I hate feminists. That would be weird. I said I hate feminist. I'm talking about the word. I have the privilege of living my life inside of words. And 
Part of being a writer is creating entire universes, and that's beautiful. But part of being a writer is also living in the very smallest part of every word. If you're writing a sentence or rewriting or just doing a little punch up and you're looking for something with just a, that's a little clearer, a little more evocative or funnier or just more mellifluous, um, just the sounds, the syllables, even underneath the meaning, just the glory of the, the way, the resonance, the sounds, these, these things, it's, uh, it's intoxicating especially if you're unimpressive at, at sports. Um, but, uh, but the word feminist, um, it, 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 it doesn't sit with me, it doesn't add up. And I, I, I want to talk about my problem that I have with it. Um, first of all, on a very base level, just to listen to it. Um, because it starts, uh, okay, we start with femme, which is good. I think that's promising. Femme, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's nice, but it's strong. F is a very porous letter. It's sort of it's, you know, very inclusive. You know, it's, you're ready to grow there. Um, it's not too wimpy. It's not like, you know, some girl from Lord of the Rings whose name is like, it's, it's got some, there's some meat there. We, we can work with this. Okay. And we go to in. Femme in. Okay. Not as impressive, but they can't all be roses turned. Sometimes you got to just get from A to B. So we let in go. Ist. Hate it. Hate it. Fail on ist. It's just. It's just. It's little dark, black little. I mean, it must be hist. Ist. It's Germanic, but not in the romantic way. It's just this. It's this terrible ending. This wonderful beginning. This word for me is so unbalanced. It's like, just tonally. It's like watching a, a video, time-lapse video of a fresh bread being put in the oven and burnt. So, right, that's, and, and I think that's universal, right? I mean, we were all having the, the video bread thing, right? That's, that's not just me. But, and it bugs me that I don't love the word more because there are other words that, that sound so welcoming and lovely. Taliban. So good. That sounds like you know we're going to Bora Bora, and then we're off to the Taliban islands with the white sands. You know, the Broughton Smythes came by. We had a rather exciting game of Taliban on the back lawn. You know, it sounds it's jolly and fun, and it shouldn't be. It's not fair. We got feminist, um, and with our ist, um, and let's 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 go back to this ist. Okay, let's 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 rise up a little bit from my obsession with sound. To the meaning, ist, in its meaning, is also a problem for me, okay? Because you can't be born an ist, okay? It's not natural. You can't be born a Baptist, you have to be baptized. You can't be born an atheist or a communist or a horticulturalist. You have to have these things brought to you. So feminist includes the idea that Believing men and women to be equal, believing all people to be people, is not a natural state. That we don't emerge assuming that everybody in the human race is a human. That the idea of equality is just an idea that's imposed on us, that we are indoctrinated with, that it's an agenda. And that's when I realize what my problem is. Well, one of my problems. Um, my problem with feminist, it's not the word. It's the question. 
It's the question, are you a feminist? Are you now or have you ever been a feminist? <laughs> the great Katy Perry once said, um, uh, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I'm not a feminist, but you know, I like it when women are strong. Um, that's lovely, Katie. Don't know why she feels the need to say that the um, first part, but, um, but listening to the word and thinking about it, I realize, yes, I do understand. This question that lies before us is one that should lie behind us. The word is problematic for me because there's another word that we're missing, that, that words have failed us. And I'd like to use as an example, race. In the public discourse, there's one word to deal with race, racism, okay? That is the word, okay? And it implies something very important. It implies something that we are past. When you say racist, you are saying that is a negative thing, that is a line that we have crossed. Anything on the other side of that line is shameful, is on the wrong side of history. And that is a line that we have crossed in terms of gender, but we don't have the word for it. People are confronted by the word feminist and it stops them. They think they have to deal with that. But I think we are done with that as intelligent human beings. Being on the wrong side of history in terms of the oppression of women is being on the whole hall of history, all of recorded history, you're on the wrong side. You're in the whole chart of achievement. And you know, there's the pyramids and then slavery, and they're actually on the same axis, though. That's, that's great. But you know, there's the Enlightenment and the Renaissance and the Bible and, Nazis, they're down there, of course. Um, if you're someone who genuinely believes that women don't deserve or aren't as much as men, you're like the plague, okay? In the big history chart, you're the plague. Big hand for the plague, okay? But the good news, you're not Nazis, okay? Because, okay, because they had a plan, right? Plague doesn't have, plague is just like death, kill, horror. It's just, just, it's like one of those inflatable sort of car dealership, you know, tube guys. I don't know, rats, buboes, everybody die. Like, it has no, it doesn't get it. It doesn't get it, it doesn't know. It just, it's just pointless and deadly, okay? So... I start thinking about the fact that we have this word when we deal with race that says we have evolved beyond something and we don't really have this word for gender. Now you could argue sexism, but I'd say that's a little specific. People feel removed from sexism. I'm not a sexist, but I'm not a feminist. They think there's this fuzzy middle ground. There's no fuzzy middle ground. You either believe the women are people or you don't. It's that simple. And it's also the specificity of the thing, sexism, we remove, it's, it just evokes, it basically evokes like a fat guy from the 70s in a powder blue three-piece suit. Like that's what we think of. Um, 
misogynist. Misogynist, some people might not know where the why goes in that word sometimes. We <laughs> should reach out to those people with, ed with education. But more importantly, misogynist implies very directly hate and aggressive action against. And most people will not admit to that. They will think of a misogynist as a sociopath, as something that's an anomaly. Nobody is going to say, I hate them. And quite frankly, many people, most people, don't. And as we all know, you don't have to hate someone to destroy them. You just have to not get it. So clearly, I got to come up with this word. Okay? We need this word so that we can change the public discourse a little bit. And came up with a lot of good ideas. I'm not going to lie. Really good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and, you know, obviously, number one, like, you know, I like the rhythm and intent of pathetic, prehistoric, rage fueled, inbred ass clown, but. <laughs> That's a lot to ask of a hashtag. I mean, let's just, let's, let's be honest. Second in line, um, genderist. I'm alone in my room and I come up with genderist. And I think, oh, I've cracked it. This is amazing. This is it. I think about it for a long time. Well, it sounds kind of like generous. That's genderist. Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, but. It really resonates with me, it really works. And so for two days, I live with it and I don't go anywhere near the internet because I'm sure somebody's already thought of it. <laughs> and then I finally do, stupid urban dictionary. Um, of course, other people have thought of it, many people have thought of it, but I had never heard it. And I still haven't heard it. And so, unless somebody comes up with a better one, and please do, my pitch is this word, genderist. I would like this word to become the new racist. I would like a word that says, there was a shameful past before we realized that all people were created equal. And we are past that. And every evolved human being who is intelligent and educated and compassionate is past that. And to say, I don't believe that is unacceptable. And Katy Perry won't say, I'm not a feminist, but I like strong women. She'll say, I'm not a genderist, but sometimes I like to dress up pretty. <laughs> and that'll be fine. <laughs> now, so, okay, I've, I've come up with a word that other people have come up with. Um, and I'm asking you guys, put it out there in conversation. Literally, this is how it works. This is how we understand society. The word racism didn't end racism. It contextualized it in a way that we still haven't done with this issue. Now, um, does that mean that this will end the problem? Yes, definitely. We've done it. <laughs> All of recorded human history versus one benefit dinner, no contest, okay? So, uh, you know, enjoy dessert. Uh, uh, the chocolate Taliban is supposed to be scrumptious, really delicious. Um, it's not, it's not gonna solve it. 
Um, that's not going to happen in our lifetimes. Uh, I say to everybody in this room with gratitude, but also enormous sadness, we will never not be fighting. And I say to everybody on the other side of that line who believe that women are to be bought or trafficked or ignored, I say to everybody within the digitization of my voice, we will never not be fighting. We will go on, we will always work this issue till it doesn't need to be worked anymore. There will be, there are, and will be great heroes, great women, extraordinary movements, extraordinary acts of history. And then there'll be schmucks like me, off in a corner, just working the words, just trying to get it right. Is this idea of genderist gonna do something? I don't know. I don't think that I can change the world. I just wanna punch it up a little. <laughs>that actually does go a long way from making clear why I have been so hesitant to use that word, words, feminist or feminism. And we, st we started with the Ferris Bueller clip about isms. I do not believe in isms, which goes back to John Lennon, as he said. And John Lennon and Yoko Ono, I don't know if you realize this, but Bag Productions was John Lennon's production company, his, his own, not Apple Records, but his own production company. And so in the song Come Together, he says he's bag production. Mm -hmm. And later, he, on his own, and then he and Yoko also were talking about, uh, on Give Peace a Chance, all we were saying is Give Peace a Chance, bagism, sadism, magism, that whole thing, making fun of isms with bagisms. And their whole theory of bagism was that if we all would just crawl into a bag... <laughs> and stay covered by the bag, then people would ignore the messenger and instead hear the message. You wouldn't pay attention to race or gender or looks or height or hair color or eye color or whatever. You would have to hear the truth of what's being said rather than have it be filtered through all of these other perceived things that come with communicating. And all of a sudden, it makes me stop and wonder, wow, what would they have done with the internet? What would John Lennon have made of the internet? Where you can be nothing but words. You can go online and just be a comment post. And how many people just abuse that opportunity. That's so sad. Anyway, so the, so the whole ism thing had been bugging me. And I couldn't put my finger on why. I think Joss Whedon did a, a really nice job about it, about talking about it. But then I, I also started to wonder, well, wait a minute. So if I have trouble with this term and Joss Whedon has trouble with this term, I'm very curious to see what listeners, you, and anybody else who it comes into contact with on the web think about this term. And so I'd like to just read to you a bunch of different responses to my question, which I, I posted online in a couple different places. Uh, what's your definition of feminism? and or feminist. And so I'm going to read those to you and see what you think. So this is in no particular order, and I'm kind of culling from the list. 
Respect for All Women. Feminism for me is the desire to ensure that women are given equality of opportunity at every level of society and in every facet of life. I keep it with Maya Angelou. Quote, I'm a feminist. I've been female for a long time now. I'd be stupid not to be on my own side. It's the belief, and hopefully soon to be knowledge, that women are as free as men, regardless of choices, situation, occupation, size, or whatever. It's about women having the right to choose what they want. A woman can still be a feminist and a housewife, so long as she chose to do it and wasn't forced into it. I'm cool with it. Feminism to me is twofold. The first part is that we are constantly working together, women and men, as well as women and women, to ensure that women have the right to equal opportunity and treatment as men. The second part is that women be given the choice in their lives to be whoever they want to be, without judgment. Just because I would love to be a stay-at-home mom someday, this does not make me any less of a feminist than a mom who works a full-time paid job. I know how the terms should be defined, but usage has changed them to feminazi and like connotations. I'm an equalist and an egalitarian, I think. I don't know how they are defined, but I know how I feel about my own feminism. It's an intersectional movement which seeks to identify and rectify ways in which women and trans folk are oppressed, whether directly or indirectly, overtly or covertly. It is egalitarianism, but with a focus on women's rights. It is a political and social movement. It means different things to different people because it is so diverse a movement, and no one definition can truly cover its goals, methods, representatives, or constituents. To me, a feminist is someone who is mindful of the needs of women and who seeks to ensure women are not victimized or marginalized simply for being women and seeks to promote women as being as useful and as necessary in society as men. Feminism is believing that women and men should have equal rights. That's it. Nothing fancy, nothing angry, nothing bitter. Feminism means never having to say you are sorry for not being a man. Feminism is the scandalous notion that my opportunities, my choices, and my actions should not be dictated by my gender. Feminism is the insane idea that women are human too, and that elevating women does not mean we are downgrading men. And then I talked to my husband. Because this has been such a big, messy thing, and because, because the book Herland is classified technically as feminist literature, and because I've gotten so many emails from people saying, oh my gosh, I've never even heard of this book. And it's frustrating and it's interesting. And as you heard on part A of, of this episode, and in, in last week's episode too, it stirs up a lot of stuff. And as this book was playing out over the last few weeks, all sorts of stuff has been happening in the media as well. And I'm, I mean, almost a day doesn't go by when I don't get some kind of zeitgeisty announcement. Oh, in fact, I got one uh, late last night. 
about a movie that's come out where it appears that men and women have, in a future time, in a kind of a dystopian universe, uh, decided to live separately. And I'm going to post that in, in the show notes for today, for this part two, so that you can take a look at it too. It looks a little bit like another piece of feminist literature that I read also in that science fiction class, which, by the way, was taught by a man. Uh, it looks a little bit like the book The Female Man by, I think it was Joanna Russ. Which, if you think Herland has knocked us around a bit, a uh, female man will knock you off your socks. It's very, very different. And it is way angrier than, than Herland. But I've, I've actually tried over the last few weeks to get Andrew to get back on a microphone with me and talk about the book. And he has patently refused. I think he's <laughs> protecting himself. Because the feminist movement and Charlotte Perkins Gilman's book we're responding to a very clear problem. And that problem was legal. Women weren't allowed the vote. Women weren't allowed to own property, often. Uh, in some states, a man could quite legally have sex with his wife anytime he wanted to. She had no say in this. There's also very limited, if any, access to birth control, which means up until a few decades ago, you actually legally would have no control over when you got pregnant or how you got pregnant as a married woman. Now, hopefully you had a husband who valued your opinion and you had a conversation about it, but legally you had no real rights to your own body, which I, I find appalling. My husband finds appalling. But once those legal restrictions were removed... And there was access to birth control, and uh, rape laws were slowly being improved, and, and things like that. Well, now you have this weird squishy middle with uh, women make less money for doing the same work as a man, which is squishy. Because what if you have the same job title and the same amount of experience, but you took off five years to raise children? And now you're back in the workforce. So all told, you spent 10 years in the workforce, but it was broken up five and five. And you're being paid less than a guy who's five years younger than you because he stayed in the workforce for 10 years straight without stopping to have children. Well, does that make him a bigger asset to the company because he has kind of a longitudinal with no break uh, vision? Or does that make you more valuable to the company because you have an awareness of a longer period of time? I don't know. I have no clue. But it's it's not apples and oranges, and it's not Ferraris and go-karts. It's like Pippins and Honeycrisps. I don't know how anybody figures this stuff out. But in many ways, that question isn't a legal question anymore. And so it it is very squishy. And I talk myself in circles on this stuff. And so I keep coming back to Joss Wheaton. And the point that he made, which I really liked. And I liked the way that he brought humor into the discussion, but also clarity and clarity of language. I have, as you know, gone off on things like begging the question and why that doesn't mean raises the question and how important it is for us to pay attention to people like 
Aristotle and what they had to say because they, they did a pretty good job of things. But one of the logical fallacies, aside from begs the question, that I think matters is tukukwe. And tukukwe is a type of ad hominem attack. And it's T-U and then Q-U-O-Q-U-E. And I, I fell prey to this logical fallacy last week. And it is really easy to do. And it happens all the time. And you'll hear it. As soon as I tell you this, if you don't know it already, you'll, you'll hear it from here on out. It's, uh, it's when a parent tells their teenage daughter, don't smoke. Smoking can kill you in all these different ways. And with this amount of speed and with this, this amount of money spent on your health care and, and therefore you shouldn't smoke. And the parent is saying all of this with a cigarette in her hand. And the child says, yeah, but you're smoking, so I should be able to smoke too. That's a logical fallacy. Because the fact that the person is smoking doesn't change the logic and the accuracy of their argument. It's the, I know you are, but what am I? It's the, oh, you do it too, fallacy. And that's, that's kind of where I went last week. And, and in fact, without pulling back and, and looking at it again with that historical lens, you miss the point that the women in Charlotte Perkins Gilman's day were prisoners to a large extent. They were beholden to the men who they were either married or related to. And they were kept there legally by a, a society who didn't value their opinion probably, honestly, didn't listen to them nearly as much as the women in her land listened to the men. But that kind of, I guess, matronizing instead of patronizing attitude towards the men, we'll take care of you. Here, we have a perfectly appointed room. We have fantastic clothes. It doesn't matter what you want. We're telling you what's good for you. And that's, I mean, that's how the women were treated. And that's what Gilman is trying to say. I have a much easier time understanding where the anger in the early part of the women's movement in the the early part of the next wave of the women's movement in the 60s and the 70s came from. At the same time as the pendulum swings away from that anger and towards this this new reality, this kind of squishy reality, now things are complicated and a lot more complicated, but they're also complicated by the memory of the anger. And as I as I searched the hashtag, just the hashtag for feminism or feminist on Twitter, I came across so much anger. So much anger. And it wasn't anger coming from places like Afghanistan. And it's very, very interesting to watch now, looking at the, the difference in uh, situation and the difference in reality between Charlotte Perkins Gilman's women being basically imprisoned by society and the law and the kind of weird, squishy, complicated stuff that we're looking at now. And then I also started to notice that a lot of things were getting layered onto feminism that had nothing to do with the original intent, which also makes it squishy. 
And then I saw the angry other side, the don't believe the feminists propaganda, more women incite domestic violence than men, and it's all these statistics. And I, I, I tried to follow the research, and I, I couldn't. So I'm, I'm actually going to go back and look at that, because I, I have some friends who are men who were victims of really awful domestic violence. And it's true. We tend to look at men in situations like that as being, well, all sorts of horrible things. And it's not fair. But it also shouldn't become a discussion created in a two-cook-way logic of we can't talk about men who perpetrate domestic violence because women do it too. That's not the point. The point is domestic violence is bad for everyone, and especially for children. So regardless of who the aggressor is, hey, let's stop it. What a great idea. So I don't know. I've opened another entirely huge kettle of fish today. But but I'm trying. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to work through, you know, what does this all mean in today's world? Today's very, very complicated and fast. It's a fast-moving world. Things change so quickly now. And they didn't in Gilman's day, which kind of helps that too. So I don't know. Write in. Call in. 206-350-1642. Tell me what you think. But ultimately, one of the things that became really, really clear to me was that nothing is going to move forward if women are the only ones having the conversation. And nothing is going to move forward until men are accepted as sensitive, loving, thoughtful, kind people instead of being hammered by society for not being manly enough, whatever that means. But there's a, a video I'm going to play you out on, on the, the audio of. And, and if you haven't seen this video, I, I will post it in the show notes so you can uh, watch it if you like. It's very interesting to watch this young woman who we've only ever seen as completely confident and on her game be so nervous speaking to this august group that she is in front of makes perfect sense. But it's really interesting to see her be herself and human and impassioned and brilliant and I think on the right side of history on this one. So this is the other side of what Joss Whedon talked about. And so I will play you out on Emma Watson's speech to the United Nations Council on Women. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Call and let me know what you think. Write in heather at craftlit.com. 206-350-1642. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Here you go. Your Excellencies, UN Secretary General, President of the General Assembly, Executive Director of UN Women, and distinguished guests, 
Today, we are launching a campaign called He for She. I am reaching out to you because we need your help. We want to end gender inequality. And to do this, we need everyone involved. This is the first campaign of its kind at the UN. We want to try and galvanize as many men and boys as possible to be advocates for change. And we don't just want to talk about it. We want to try and make sure that it's tangible. I was appointed as Goodwill Ambassador for UN Women six months ago. And the more I've spoken about feminism, the more I have realized that fighting for women's rights has too often become synonymous with man-hating. If there is one thing I know for certain, it is that this has to stop. For the record, Feminism, by definition, is the belief that men and women should have equal rights and opportunities. It is the theory of the political, economic, and social equality of the sexes. I started questioning gender-based assumptions a long time ago. When I was eight, I was confused being called bossy because I wanted to direct the plays that we would put on for our parents. But the boys were not. When at 14, I started to be sexualized by certain elements of the media. When at 15, my girlfriends started dropping out of their beloved sports teams because they didn't want to appear muscly. When at 18, my male friends were unable to express their feelings. I decided that I was a feminist, and this seemed uncomplicated to me. But my recent research has shown me that feminism has become an unpopular word. Women are choosing not to identify as feminist. Apparently, I am among the ranks of women whose expressions are seen as too strong, too aggressive, isolating, and anti-men, unattractive even. Why has the word become such an uncomfortable one? I am from Britain, and I think it is right that I am paid the same as my male counterparts I think it is right that I should be able to make decisions about my own body. I think... I think it is right that women be involved on my behalf in the policies and the decisions that will affect my life. I think it is right that socially I am afforded the same respect as men. But sadly, I can say that there is no one country in the world where all women can expect to receive these rights. No country in the world can yet say that they have achieved gender equality. 
These rights I consider to be human rights, but I am one of the lucky ones. My life is a sheer privilege because my parents didn't love me less because I was born a daughter. My school did not limit me because I was a girl. My mentors didn't assume that I would go less far because I might give birth to a child one day. These influences were the gender equality ambassadors that made me who I am today. They may not know it, but they are the inadvertent feminists who are changing the world today. We need more of those. And if you still hate the word, it is not the word that is important. It's the idea and the ambition behind it. Because not all women have received the same rights that I have. In fact, statistically, very few have been. In 1997, Hillary Clinton made a famous speech in Beijing about women's rights. Sadly, many of the things that she wanted to change are still true today. But what stood out for me the most was that less than 30% of the audience were male. How can we affect change in the world when only half of it is invited or feel welcome to participate in the conversation? Men, I would like to take this opportunity to extend your formal invitation. Gender equality is your issue, too. Because to date, I've seen my father's role as a parent being valued less by society, despite my needing his presence as a child as much as my mother's. I've seen young men suffering from mental illness, unable to ask for help, for fear it would make them less of a man or less of a man. In fact, in the UK, suicide is the biggest killer of men between 20 to 49, eclipsing road accidents, cancer, and coronary heart disease. I've seen men made fragile and insecure by a distorted sense of what constitutes male success. Men don't have the benefits of equality either. We don't often talk about men being imprisoned by gender stereotypes, but I can see that they are, and that when they are free, things will change for women as a natural consequence. If men don't have to be aggressive in order to be accepted, women won't feel compelled to be submissive. If men don't have to control, women won't have to be controlled. Both men and women should feel free to be sensitive. Both men and women should feel free to be strong. It is time that we all perceive gender on a spectrum instead of two sets of opposing ideals. If... 
if we stop defining each other by what we are not and start defining ourselves by who we are, we can all be freer. And this is what he she is about. It's about freedom. I want men to take up this mantle so that their daughters, sisters, and mothers can be free from prejudice, but also so that their sons have permission to be vulnerable and human too. Reclaim those parts of themselves they abandoned, and in doing so, be a more true and complete version of themselves. You might be thinking, who is this Harry Potter girl? <laughs> and what is she doing speaking at the UN? And it's a really good question. I've been asking myself the same thing. All I know is that I care about this problem, and I want to make it better. And having seen what I've seen, and given the chance, I feel it is my responsibility to say something. Statesman Edmund Burke said, all that is needed for the forces of evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. In my nervousness for this speech and in my moments of doubt, I've told myself firmly, if not me, who? If not now, when? If you have similar doubts when opportunities are presented to you, I hope that those words will be helpful. Because the reality is that if we do nothing, it will take 75 years, or for me to be nearly 100, before women can expect to be paid the same as men for the same work. 15.5 million girls will be married in the next 16 years as children. And at current rates, it won't be until 2086 before all rural African girls can have a secondary education. If you believe in equality, you might be one of those inadvertent feminists that I spoke of earlier. And for this, I applaud you. We are struggling for a uniting word, but the good news is that we have a uniting movement. It is called He for She. I am inviting you to step forward, to be seen, and to ask yourself, if not me, who? If not now, when? Thank you very, very much.